Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Enablement Evolved. We're back after a little bit of a break. Um, I'm delighted to introduce this week's guest, someone who I've admired within Enablement since I moved over to Enablement a few years ago. Um, she has worked at the likes of Gartner, the likes of Ring Central. Um, she has just recently been named One to Watch for 2024 by the Sales Enablement Collective, and she's currently the VP of Revenue Enablement at Procore Technologies. Sarah Gross, how the bloody hell are you? I'm doing great, Karen. Thank you for having me. No, the pleasure is all mine. As I say, I have admired from afar. You and I had a conversation to to give people a look behind the curtain. You and I had a conversation back in December. Um, technical difficulty te- difficulties took that out of our hands, so we're going to give it another go, which is great. But um, Sarah, for those we, who are before we jump up, in, I have to pass oh, yeah. back the kudos. Congratulations to you on being on the one to watch as well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was a lovely list. Lots of great people on there. Um, I love the SEC for what they do. They, they put a lot into our our industry and our profession. So it's it's a massive honour, as I'm sure you agree, to be named on the list. Um, but Sarah, for those who are foolish enough not to know who you are, would you mind giving us a little bit of a background? I gave a you know bullet point background. Would you mind giving us a little bit of background about your journey in enablement and what took you to Procore? Absolutely. Uh, I got to take you back to the the 2000s. Um, I started as a BDR right out of college, um, but I had the unique ability that I was at an outsourced appointment setting firm. So I got to call on a multitude of different industries all at one time. Um, I think I had like seven or eight different clients across industries and gave me good perspective of what does a good salesperson look like? Because I was married up with these sales reps in different companies. Um, and it started to craft how, what kind of salesperson did I want to become? Uh, what methodology did I believe in, right? And so that led me to uh, going into a sales role where I was actually selling people and the business of selling people, selling the appointment setting firm services. Um, and from there, I, I constantly was getting pushed into these leadership roles. So I'd go in, want to be a rep at a company. Uh, very quickly, people would turn to me for being kind of the center of best practice. Uh, what does good look like when it comes to discovery, negotiation? How do we move things through the process? How do we think about coaching at the organization? Um, and so I ended up being part of the challenger sale group, really understanding, right, what like how were methodologies being adopted at huge companies like SAP and Oracle. Um, And I I started to realize what enablement was, right? How are we mapping, right, a rollout and a project plan to actually how do people learn and adopt and change that behavior that they need to, to then then sell bigger deals, to uh, close faster, et cetera. And so I had this really cool perspective, almost from a research background, if you will, uh, to then go into being an enablement professional. Um, I started at Ring Central. I grew the team from uh, me, myself, and I in the upmarket space to a great team of 50 folks that were supporting everything that is a revenue role at the organization. Um, and I've had a lot of fun now replicating that as I've come to Procore. I think is. Uh, unique about my background is I also had some operational roles in there. So I look at enablement from a sense of how do we think of it programmatically? How do we think of how we can partner with our operations team and measure the success of that? And then how do we have that feedback loop, which is what everyone typically wants, especially in our operations teams, right, of what good looks like so that we can replicate that moving forward. 
Amazing. I was actually going to ask her when I was snooping on your LinkedIn. I saw you had some operations roles. And I think I was speaking to a mutual friend of ours, Ben Purton, the other day. Um, and I won't spoil the podcast, but he has a question towards the end. And it's like, who essentially, who who would you stick closest to between RevOps, sales and marketing? And mine has always been RevOps for that reason, for the feedback loops, for the, the measurement, mm-hmm. for all these different things. And I also think that my, I feel that because that's how I was introduced to enablement as well. So I don't have an operations background, but when I joined Andela, we worked, my boss was looked after enablement and RevOps. So all our team meetings were together, all our projects were together. But yeah, no, I think coming into enablement with an operations understanding at least, but certainly for you more than that, I think would have been massive and helping you like stick out from the crowd right for that for a lot of those process and measurability elements a lot of folks that i mentor that kind of want to get into enablement um many enablement roles out there right want you to have done it before for natural reasons right especially if you're partnering up with a revenue leader who has expectations of that team um so i think a really great path right is of course right having a sales or a csm role itself But then I always call it like doing a rotation. Um, Ladders are not right. There's not there's no such thing as a ladder in a career. Um, There's kind of like it's like rock climbing. You have to find the next rock to get you to the next lever. Um, Having being close to operations or having a rotation in operations gives you respect of what they go through, that it's not just pulling together a report. There's yeah. parameters behind the report. There's limitations of how our systems work, right? Um, and you can start to, while you're crafting your enablement program, say, well, I think we could do this. What about this, right? And you're a partner to them versus saying, I need to measure this, figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I think we could talk on this. This is one of my favorite subjects and why enablement and operations should be so close. But the thing that we are going to talk about, which is something that comes up in, Every every enablement conference I've ever been to, every end of year sort of survey, uh, and that is who and where should enablement report into, into uh, in terms of which department and stuff like that. Um, as I say, the SEC, who, who we both know very well, they at the end of their conference or during their conferences at the end of their year surveys, um, it's always a very interesting topic, and it tends to seesaw as well throughout even just the, the shorter time compared to yourself that I've been in enablement. So I suppose from, from your point of view, Sarah, like generally speaking, enablement can report into many different functions for whatever reason. Do you think it makes sense? I'm sorry, do you, make, do you think it makes a difference to enablement in, in terms of which department it reports into? Being open and honest, I, I really think it's company dependent. That's why you hmm. see so many different variations. The thing that I look for is does that individual understand the impact that enablement can have? They don't even necessarily have to have had an enablement background, but do they look at enablement as part of the path to get something out to the team to make it more impactful, to increase productivity, right? Then is that executive aligned to productivity being a measure across that year, right? Um, I think if you know that executive is aligned to pipeline and you're putting enablement under them, they're never going to pay attention because mm-hmm. enablement doesn't necessarily have a direct correlation to pipeline, but productivity inputs that then create more pipeline because they have more time to do other things, right? That is where enablement comes in. So I think it's really important that the executive is aligned to the right metric that enablement should be targeted at, right? Um, and then my third thing is uh, simply like, are, are you looking to 
invest in the team, the reps. So if you have 80% of your reps hitting attainment, right? Enablement's not as big of a need for your organization in that particular scenario, but maybe it's on the post-sale side. Maybe it's on uh, the SDR side, getting more sales, right? So you just have to target enablement in the right places. So I think that kind of naturally leads to where it should report. CRO is obviously uh, the most natural because productivity is always on that person's mind. It's just, it might be across different roles, finance, I I know I've seen coming into play. I think where that's coming from, again, is how do we measure productivity? Now, I I think where finance is a challenge is because enablement is still a, a, I always call it a leading indicator, (laughs) right? The lagging pieces is where ops really comes into place, where actual sales execution comes into place. And so we can correlate those two things, but they're not necessarily a direct where finance typically likes to be very black and white. So would they understand the impact that enablement could make to the business? And do they have that background would be my open question. Then there's always the marketing element of things, right? Um, I think, you know, that's where a lot of enablement teams originated is in marketing because it was this uh, algamation as it came out of PMM, right? Where it was like, okay, PMM, you know, helps produce the assets, enablement helps get it to the field. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's still a lot of that uh, happening and and there should be, that's part of like, that's a very close role function. I think if a marketing professional is thinking about enablement as um, the way in which we go to market and calling it that function, it can work. It also needs to be a place where marketing actually reports directly to the CEO. So it can be tied to corporate initiatives. Yeah. I mean, I, I love hearing you break it down like that. And, and as we said the last time, like, I was almost a little bit ignorant and or naive when I first came into enablement. So I was like, well, obviously everyone reports into the CRO. When actual, actual fact, that's not the case, right? Yes. And, and I think I've been to a couple of Forrester conferences and, and they are, data would suggest that the most successful enablement teams report into the CRO. However, the the proliferation, to your point, is actually very wide, right? It's huge. And the, the, even though the quote-unquote majority report into the CRO, it's not, a, it's not a massive majority, right? Like you might be 31%, but then and it's interesting, just before we started recording, you mentioned that, you know, lots of enablement came from marketing. Again, potentially naively, I was like, well, maybe it all came from L&D. Right, because I've worked quite closely with HR and L and D, or sort of corporate onboarding to to go alongside it. But then when mm-hmm. I when I thought back on it, we were actually almost like cat and dog a little bit. Like their their onboarding program was theirs, and ours was ours, and ours was better because we know what we're doing. Um, and one of the things that's as we, again, as I said before, we hit record. Like as someone who's currently interviewing, um, for a new role, I am now seeing that proliferation in real life. Right, I've in in the last week I've spoken to yeah a couple of roles that report into the CRO, one that reports into marketing, but very interestingly because I'd never seen it before. Yesterday I spoke to one that was reporting into the finance director, and I know that you've seen a bit of a trend in that. Uh, and you touched on it a little bit there, but I mean to to go into reporting into finance, and I think there's a little bit of because we have this bit of a Venn diagram where enablement is becoming a little a lot closer. Uh, closely related to ops and productivity and operations tends to be quite close with the FP&A department, right? When it comes to territories and planning and budgets uh, right. and headcount and stuff like that. But 
Can you talk us through what do you see as the, the strengths and weaknesses of, of enablement reporting into the, to finance or the finance director? I, I mean, I think part of the strengths is that you naturally have a partnership with analysts to help you understand the business numbers and create that business case, right? That's, I know a lot of enablement professionals struggle with actually getting the numbers, right? Um, So naturally you would, you would have that because you're part of the same team and the CFO is tasked with measuring effectiveness, right? So he's going to make sure he or she is going to make sure that you have that. Um, I think some of the challenges is it becomes a quantifiable function which not everything we do is quantifiable. Like we are the human element of things. So if you think of how it comes from finance, that's the quote, quotas and goals, ops, uh, make sure that they're broken down and appropriately assigned and communicated. Enablement is the one that says, okay, Karen, let's sit down together. You have a goal of a million dollars this year. You know, let's break down your pipeline. Let's talk about intent level data that we can look at and start to identify where to do account planning and then opportunity planning within that. We're the 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 coach, put me in coach, right, of how do you actually be successful in that? And ha- there's no way to quantify that conversation that we have, right? Um, it's There's no way to quantify going in and walking someone through their comp plan <laughs> of how they can be successful here. Uh, yeah. But that's such an important part of what we do to, to create this, I always call it like the happiness score in sales, yeah. right? The ability for them to want to show up and, and when they lose the deal, still come to work the next day and work on the next deal and the next deal. And I think that's a really important part of what we do, which kind of goes to that HRE element. It's like a it's like a baby happened between marketing, HR and and ops. And that yeah. is what enablement is. It's it's why our jobs are so hard. We are the yeah. octopus that sits in the middle of all of these orgs. It's also why we get passed around like a hot potato because yeah. No one knows where to put us. So that's why I go back to asking the CEO or the president as you're interviewing, who is in charge of productivity this year? And that's the person I'd want to work for because they're tasked, they're aligned immediately to what I'm aligned to. Yeah, I think that's great. And I was smiling there. And I think my, I think you're right. I think my way of quantifying enablement, because I, this again, maybe, maybe this is like too much of a, pet peeve for me but i i really dislike it when enablement are called sales support right like i do i don't i think our role is so much broader and deeper and more important than that and i any you know any internal meetings or any interviews i always position enablement as that internal consultant that strategic advisor internally right and i think the best way i've sort of come up with sort of articulating that is enablement is that octopus but it takes alignment to integration like so it takes so you've got people always talk about sales and marketing alignment that's cool but that's just knowing what each other are doing enablement are the people that integrates those and actually makes it operational and actually makes it executable don't even know if that's a word it will take we'll go for it it's a friday um but that's how i sort of position it and i love that like i use that octopus analogy as well but again going from the budgets, the FP&A from finance to the operations, looking at conversion rates or territories to then, okay, this is how we do that. Again, to put me in, coach, that's what I see us is that, let's say, we're the key to the integration of all these big plans. And I think um, I think it's really interesting. So, I mean, leading on to that then, do you, from your point of view, do you think or feel that enablement and operations should always have the same reporting line? 
I think that enablement and ops should always have a strong partnership. Um, right. Let me be clear on that. I believe that reporting lines, and this is like an age old thing, mm-hmm. immediately create collaboration between departments. When you're in the same department, you're just more likely to collaborate than when you're in different departments. That's yeah, just yeah. like reality. I don't know why that science became what it is, but it is. Um, so it, I do think it's good for enablement and ops to be peers in the same organization. Um, uh, there I've seen it work where there's not, you just have to overly exaggerate how those two things come together and why it's so important for you to have joint team meetings, joint team projects, joint team plans, um, so that you can move the ball forward. I think enablement professionals that are not actively working with their ops counterparts are doing themselves a disservice because you're constantly going to get put in the training bucket, not in the thinking about the full project plan, which makes you less strategic. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, I, and I, I think we were, you and I were talking about this before we hit the call. Like, that's how I kind of come into enablement with that partnership there. And I think that was, don't get me wrong, there was many things I would change about Andela, but one of the things they absolutely nailed was that partnership. As I say, my boss looked after enablement and RevOps. We for every single project we had an enablement lead and, a, and an ops lead. For every single tool in the tech stack, we had an enablement lead and a. a an operations lead for the technical side, for the reporting. It just worked well for literally every single project. Because the thing is, the left hand needs to know what the right hand is doing. And if they're doing it together, like I, me personally, my, certainly I'm four years in, three years into enablement, I, my belief is they're stronger if they have the report, the same reporting line. But in worst case, to what to the way that you mentioned, is they need to be collaborating all the time. It just, for me, I just don't, I just don't get it otherwise. And to your point, like, and one of the things when I moved to, to my last company, they weren't doing that. They were quite separate. And one of the things I tried to immediately do was almost replicate Andela and be like, look, this worked really, really well. And again, th- that enablement team there when I first joined Staffbase was was pretty immature in terms of it was just doing those one-off sessions. It wasn't really tied to anything. There was no real understanding of quota attainment and why it was or by region or by team or and again so we were just doing catch-all sessions globally at weird times for north america or weird times for europe what's in it for the reps was totally missed there wasn't there was nothing really there and i think if you have that partnership with ops to exactly to your point like that just comes through naturally i think right because you're talking you begin to talk the same language all the time or if, even if worst case if you're at least if you're looking at the same dashboard it's helpful right and everyone yeah. knows what's going on so i, I and you I, help them be more human and they help you be more analytical like that's just reality right. of who gets hired in each department um so that that's where i see it having such a strong partnership no couldn't agree more so um sarah you've you've mentioned obviously lots of different areas or departments that enablement can report into and you said it was company dependent which i think is 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 probably right for 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 most people but if if you were to put yourself and say you you know you move to a new company or you're interviewing or you're in your current company how could you or any other enabler uh, assess whether they're actually reporting to the correct part of business for their company uh, and whether they should consider asking to move reporting line how would you go about assessing that yeah I mean, I'd ask the very simple question of who's tasked with productivity within the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's not the executive you're reporting into, uh, that's where I think you need to start conversations around making sure that you're aligned right in the right area. Um, typically, the way I've done that is to 
ask the simple question, right? (laughs) Everybody has somebody focused on productivity right now. Like that's just, that is a common theme, um, especially as we're still in this work from home environment, et cetera. Um, As once you understand that, if you don't report to the same leader, I think it is, I would start to establish a relationship with that leader over time. I would start to understand how they're thinking about attacking productivity and aligning those two things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as you are writing your development plan as an enablement leader, I would write that in so you can show Mm -hmm. your your boss you're currently working with how you're going to impact productivity and that you're working closely with this other leader. Um, and then as you have those two relationships really well established, I would pull them both together and say, Kieran, say you're my current boss. I really enjoy working for and with you, uh, but I've gotten to know Sarah and I understand how more tied to productivity she's going to be across 2025. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we should start working on a transition plan where we're aligned within the right team to hit that right target within the organization. Yeah, I love that. And that was going to be my next question, which you've kind of already answered on how to have that conversation. But I suppose maybe to walk it back further from that, then maybe to like an earlier stage, let's say, for example, you're in a sort of mid-mature level enablement team, but you're in that sort of situation that I was mentioning around, like, you're still quite reactive. You're you're still just doing sessions. Um if, I, if you were an enablement leader, I mean, let's just let's not let's say it's a company that doesn't have a VP, right? Let's just say it's like a head of enablement or a director of enablement, a couple of people on the team, and they're just doing like these sort of marketing messaging sessions and the odd session here that a manager's asking for. How how would you advise some a team or a person in that situation to go around having the conversation about productivity? Because I had, I had productivity in my job title at my last job, which made it very easy to understand. But when you say productivity, what, what do you mean by that? For those who might not you know, have that in their wheelhouse right now, what, when you say who's responsible for productivity, what's, what's a good answer to that question and what's the KPIs, just so that people can understand whether they are reporting to the right person? So when I say productivity, um, like typically I'm seeing folks focus on there's like a people element, there's a pipeline element, there's a productivity element. Um, and so productivity is how do I get more of our revenue team to attainment, right? We're at 30% of our team hitting target today. Our goal is to get to 80%. What do we need to do? We need to make them more productive within role. We need to understand what are they doing that maybe is a time lag, is there sales drag that we can remove from them? And then are they using our tools effectively? Are they thinking about... Uh, Are they leveraging our methodology effectively? And so if you're in this reactive mode, I think one of the first things that you can do is get more involved in defining your sales uh, stages and methodology, because that will create a process that then you can define how do we coach to that process, right? And that starts to move you from this day-to-day to to strategic. Um, And that simple definition of what good looks like from a sales process will immediately bring a productivity lift. That'll get you into conversations more around, you know, how are we doing account planning and opportunity planning? How do we think about using mutual action plans? Like all of these things that we know make sales more productive and kind of spin the the lever from there. Um, Now, where is that defined, right? And what what department is held accountable for that? 
that's the next question. Typically, I would start with my sales leader, right? Who, you know, we're we're hitting 50% of our reps hitting plan today. I know that's not what you want. I'm sure we have a goal to get to 70 or 80. Can you talk me through that? Who were you looking to, to really lean on this year to move that needle? Oh, you're, you're holding our COO accountable to that. You know, hey, you know, I, I really believe that enablement should be part of that conversation so we can take that end piece, humanize it, right, and get it out to your organization. Are you open to having a conversation around having me as part of that collective team as we move into solving that this year? Yeah, I love that. And I, I think that question that you mentioned there, I think that's the, if you're not, if you're not asking that question or you don't know the answer to that question and you don't have access to that data, you're probably in not in a good position, right, as an enablement team, right? Like, you might not want to. And it, it, interestingly, I probably, as someone who moved from sales, sales leadership into enablement, I thought my days of looking at quota attainment dashboards were over. I look at the, I look at them just as much now as I've always done. And I think mm-hmm. that's the right thing to do, right? And again, depending on the company you work for, you might have to break it down by region or by team or by leader or whatever it may be. But you, as, as an enablement, person certainly as someone whether this is a team of one but if you're any sort of lead if you don't know that information you're in a tough spot right like you're in a dangerous position you Um, constantly don't know who your top 10 are and what they care what they're doing and what makes them impactful totally agree yeah no i think it's and again further solidifies what we're talking about when speak to operations they'll be able to pull that information they'll have it somewhere they're reporting to, to someone and again i think even maybe not I mean, obviously, depending on your time, but like, if you're not in like sales management meetings, to your point, like where you can't hear these conversations happening, again, that's a bit of a red flag, right? Like, if you can't get access to these conversations, you you might not want to be in all of them, right? You might not want to be in every forecast meeting because we, we obviously we want less meetings in our life, but if if you don't have access to the data and you're not having these conversations, then you probably are not reporting to the right person. Right, like you, you need you need to know this information. Otherwise, how are you making an impact as an enablement person, enablement team? Right? Yeah, I, this, I think this is something. If we open it up to a round table, there'd be lots of shouting and banging on the table. But it's it's one of those one of those situations. But Sarah, I think that brings us to to the, to the end of of the discussion. So, is there any? Uh, is, is, where would be the best place for anyone to find you if they wanted to learn more about Sarah Gross? You are always welcome to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, carrier pigeons, all the things. Uh, if you're in South Carolina, let me know. I'd love to see you all live. Um, but <laughs> uh, you know, my door is open. I want us all to continue to grow the enablement profession. That's why I love SC- or RES now and SEC and all the great t- people who are investing in our profession. Um, so I'm I'm all in to help us get to the next level. Wonderful. And as someone who has probably asked you more questions than I should have, I could attest that you are very friendly and very helpful and will always give you your time. Um, so thank you very much for your insights today. They've been absolutely fantastic. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Enablement Evolved. Thanks so much.